0: Hello,
1: and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 219. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have another guest, Yamur Ur.
0: Hello, everyone.
1: And today we're going to be talking about something you once brought up in conversation about video games, which is why, as the title of this episode would indicate, it is another entry in a series on gaming for non-gamers. So before any of you leave, you don't have to have any prior gaming experience to appreciate, or I hope, enjoy the conversation we're about to have. And specifically, Moore, you once remarked that you felt particularly unproductive playing games, and that after reflecting on the amount of time spent, you felt even more unproductive, and wondered how detrimental they were to productivity. And I may be overusing that word, but it's really central in our conversation because there is some tension between gaming and productivity. I would argue between any form of entertainment to an extent and productivity. But I also think that depends on how you define productivity. So that's one element we'll address in the conversation. But in this particular instance, we're not talking about other forms of entertainment, at least not at first. So let's begin by talking about that very specific relationship between gaming and the productivity of the gamer in question.
0: I first realized the relationship between productivity and gaming when I was frequently playing my favorite game called Don't Starve. And one day when I didn't play the game, I actually felt sad. I felt a reluctance to do anything besides go back to the game. And I think it is important to highlight that the kind of game I play, the kind of games I enjoy is mostly resource management games. You collect things and then you get rewarded for collecting the right thing, the right amount of thing. And these games are specifically designed to reward you frequently enough in a way that it would make you come back to the game over and over again. And so when you take the game away and suddenly you are left with everyday chores, you do not get rewarded as frequently as you would be if you were playing the game for doing laundry, you don't feel the same way that you would if you collected enough wood to make a fire and Don't Starve. And it was hard to make this connection at first, but the more often this happened to me, the better I was able to understand that the connection was I wasn't getting rewarded as much.
1: What I find so interesting there is that with Don't Starve or other resource management games, and to explain to listeners who may not game often, there are plenty of games counter to the shooter stereotype of call of duty or halo in which the player is doing a great deal to build to manage resources as you said you more and to essentially strategize many people can attest to the deep strategy in games like chess which are of course not video games but i would ardently defend the complexity of a lot of games out there some of which do have violent components but others of which task you with managing entire villages of people, making sure their needs are met, making sure you're expanding said village, protecting people, in sometimes apocalyptic scenarios. And while, you're more, I can't deny your point that there is a design component which makes games appealing, if not addictive, on the extreme level of the dopamine feedback loop that it feels good to accomplish certain things in games, I do think, with a level of moderation encouraged, that sometimes games encourage really valuable real-world skills. For example, in some strategic games, which may have a militaristic or violent component, your task is to rout the enemy and keep your squadron, army, what have you, alive and make sure you sustain minimal or perhaps even no casualties. I would say that you're not only rewarded for succeeding in that mission, but if you're performing in a strategic way, you have to be thinking in a certain mindset and aware of your surroundings, your resources. How can I navigate this mission without losing any of my fictitious soldiers? And to me, there's something valuable about that. Not that you're going to be faced with that in the real world, But creative thinking in my mind is one of the best antidotes or potentially cures to boredom, which affects a lot of us. And I think boredom often leads us to do unwise, unkind, or even thoughtless things, because we'll do whatever we can to relieve that boredom. And I can't deny that human beings don't always behave rationally. And indeed, on the addictive side of games, there are plenty of examples of irrational behavior as would be the case with any form of addiction or unhealthy behavior. But as we dig further into this topic of productivity, I would simply say that I think there are skills learned or at least skills encouraged by some games. And if I haven't encouraged some of the more skeptical listeners, I respect your skepticism and would point you to educational games aimed at children and say that while those might be very overt, In the mathematical or linguistic skills they intend to teach children, as you go up the ladder of maturity, so to speak, I do think some more complex or even more narrative-based games teach certain things, empathy being one of them, in my mind.
0: I agree with you, Kip. I think there is no doubt that people learn things from games. Games can teach a lot of critical thinking, planning, resource management, problem-solving skills, and even improve response time in both adults and kids. It is a very controversial topic, and it's a very current one, so a lot of researchers are studying the effects of gaming. However, I think the problem arises when you play a certain game beyond the point of learning. Many of our gaming records would show how many hundreds of hours have been spent playing League of Legends. And while I'm sure that you can take away skills or lessons or stories from every game, would you take more if you played it beyond 10, 200, 300 hours? Or when does it stop? You raise an interesting point about boredom, one that I think of frequently. Why do people play games or why do people need to be productive? I think it all comes down to why you are playing the game. What are you trying to take out of the game? And I think it is a very important question to raise before you spend hundreds of hours on a game. Some games are very social. Are you keeping in touch with your friends? Are you making new friends? Are you getting a sense of community out of a game? Are you simply trying to relieve stress? Do you get tired at work and want to just spend some time relaxing, doing something that is fun? And I am using the word fun intentionally because I think whenever you say that you are playing a game for fun, that needs to be explored. What do you mean fun? What is fun that you take out of a game? For example, I really like resource management games. It relaxes me to make lists, to try to do things more efficiently. Even though that might not be relaxing to some people, it is very relaxing to me. But if that is how I define fun, I think the second important question to ask is, are there any other activities that I can gain the same thing from? And do I do those other activities as well as gaming? And if I do, then I guess that is true to our answer. But if we don't, then what's the reason behind that?
1: I really love that you reference other activities that might encourage the same feelings or develop similar skills. Because my mind, for whatever reason, goes to friendship. And there are friendships in which we invest hundreds, if not thousands of hours. And for most of us, we think this is my group of friends i know them i don't really need to make any more friends after i've settled on a specific group often in adulthood and we stop exploring we stop trying to meet many more people and indeed that could go to excess and i'm not saying you should never deepen your friendships but i do think a lot of us believe often internally and i think subconsciously in a counter grass is always greener kind of mentality We may not say it to ourselves, but we are content with the way things are, and so we don't explore other options that might satisfy similar needs. We find one sport we really love, and we are already athletic in that realm, so we don't necessarily try to find another favorite sport. We find favorite restaurants or meals, and so we don't really branch out. And I won't claim to be some eclectic renaissance man. But to this discussion of productivity as it relates to gaming, in my mind, one route or shortcut to being counterproductive is to lose a spirit of exploration, things you haven't tried. And certainly, on the extreme end, that could mean you never deepen your relationship with anything, and you're always trying new things. But I do think a healthy balance of seeking out what is new that you don't yet understand can lead to and be its own form of productivity.
0: As people, we definitely do have a tendency to stop exploring new things once we get comfortable. And to a lot of people, that might not be a problem. If I enjoy a restaurant and if it gives me a certain amount of joy and it fills my stomach for the price I want, What benefit is there for me to go find a new one, to maybe possibly fail? So why do it if a game provides me the right kind of fun that I am looking for? Why would I ever wonder if there are any other activities that would provide me the same satisfaction? And while I think that in the case of restaurants or sports, it might not be as harmful to not explore other restaurants or other sports, In the case of gaming, we might not quite know if we are only sticking to that because we are addicted or because we truly don't need another activity that will give us the same kind of satisfaction. There are many activities that give us the same kind of reward mechanism. For example, if you are someone that works out a lot, if you skip a day or two working out, you might feel bodily depressed because your body is not producing the same amount of dopamine as it normally would. Or you can feel that same kind of reward through even reading books or playing board games. But people often do not work out or play board games or read for 5 to 10 hours a day. And I think that's where we need to recognize video games as something we might want to stop and question before we say, this provides me the satisfaction I want and therefore I do not need to look for other options. But then, what if we are addicted to a video game? addiction can often cause us to neglect other daily activities. Some research shows that kids can neglect doing their homework because they want to play a certain video game. Or the feeling I felt when I didn't play Don't Star for a day and I did not want to do any of my daily chores because all I had in mind was the lack of rewards my body was feeling because I felt the absence of that reward.
1: Which is a really valuable point to make and when it comes to things that are productive and healthy, I'm reminded of people who stay up all night to work on something, or choose to delay sleep for any reason, thinking they can make the most of their time when the next day they'll either end up sleeping late and may feel sluggish for the rest of the following day, or may be cramped in the amount of sleep they can get. And to that point, when it comes to gaming, even if you feel amazing during your experiences, it's a very negative and concerning sign, If in their absence, like you said, you feel a bodily sorrow, and I would warn anyone listening who is not a gamer that I do think there are in-betweens, just as is the case with other things that warrant caution. There are people who can have a couple of drinks without going overboard, but of course the excessive version of that brings with it any number of examples of danger. And on that point of danger, I want to talk a bit about some of my experiences related to gaming in adolescence, when the mind is still developing, as indeed in many ways it always is, and the profound lack of confidence that I think very much defined me in some of my earliest years of young adulthood. Obviously not all games are going to build confidence, but a lot of the games I gravitated towards were complex and involved strategy. But also, as I was fortunate to have been born into this period of media production, the games I played, and indeed still play, revealed fascinating worlds, but more importantly, meaningful protagonists who were decidedly human. They were flawed characters. They were not perfect. They were not omnipotent or omniscient. But often they believed what they did was right, and they acted almost like cartoon superheroes. And in more compelling scenarios, as we've mentioned in prior episodes of this series, there were characters for whom moral decisions were left up to me, the player, and those caused a certain degree of reflection in my adolescence that were not my moral backbone, but I did spend a lot of time playing those games. And I would contend that there's a strong and clear through line from the games I played to the young adults and the adult I became, if for no other reason than the confidence they built. And while I won't say that that's always productive if you spend, as you said, more many hours at a time, I do think confidence is arguably one of the most valuable things a person can cultivate. And I think for a lot of people, that comes from different sources. I've referenced athleticism, and I can see why some excellent athletes would develop confidence in various areas of their lives because of what they do on the field. And so in this regard, while I agree that to excess, and maybe even with minimal use, games certainly have a side to them that is or can be counterproductive, I also think it can be a person-by-person case.
0: Video games are definitely accepting, sometimes more so than people or communities. If you feel left out by any friend group for any reason, if you feel marginalized, you definitely do not need to worry about feeling the same way playing a video game. You can explore many worlds and gain many experiences from video games that you might not otherwise be able to with your friend group or any other activity. And while for people like you, for example, it might have built confidence, I do think there is a flip side to the coin you make a very interesting point about making decisions for someone else in a video game and seeing the consequences of it. When done well, a character can be very complex, very realistic, and their decisions might have realistic consequences in the game. I think where a video game can do the opposite of building confidence is when you learn to make decisions in the scenarios of the game, but the decisions you make in your own life do not have as fleeting consequences. Controlling a character in a video game can be much easier than putting a spin on your own life.
1: I'm glad you bring us back to real-world consequences and decision-making, because I've been thinking throughout this conversation that you're obviously correct in the danger of using video games to excess. And so to that end, I'm reminded of other elements of our world. Companies that produce cigarettes and have to include a warning on the label about the adverse health effects of smoking. I wonder if video game developers should include similar warnings or should communicate to parents who are responsible for developing minds how video games can affect people, especially children. And I do think a great deal of responsibility falls to video game developers because children, or anyone who might use video games to access, don't find video games they don't exist in nature wandering in some field to be discovered they are very much crafted often lovingly so because for many people myself included they are seen as a form of art and however young they might be as a medium they do represent emotions and thoughts there are some games i've played that are incredibly brief the length of a feature film and explore in a meaningful way homosexuality in teenage years or mental health things that a lot of us in our culture could do more to think about and so i suppose my experience is skewed because i'm interested in those kinds of stories and experiences and to me a good story is a value unto itself it is productive because i've learned something about myself or my world to me that's a great product of art but i can't deny your points that time is essentially the resource to be considered and that in our lives we really only ever have time And if you decide to spend hundreds of hours on something, that is your choice to make. And that's where I'd come back to the teenage or child example. Are you aware of the time that you're spending and what it means as a teenager or as a child? I don't want to condescend, but I suspect that for most adolescents, that perspective isn't fully formed yet.
0: There is so much that can be learned from video games. Just the power that we can simulate a reality that does not have consequences is a lot of power. Part of the reason why the military does a lot of simulations and trains their soldiers that way. I've played many games where it's been illustrated to me how inside the box I think. And in a way, those were the first instances where I truly learned what thinking outside of the box means. And so I think having video games in our lives is actually a luxury, it is not a curse. However, as we play our video games, I would urge many of my peers to ask a couple of questions. Why do you play a certain game? How do you define fun? And do you try out different activities that may provide you with the same kind of fun that you find in that video game? Does playing a game make you want to put off certain responsibilities? Does it affect your life negatively? If you stop playing a certain game, do you feel depressed the day after? Does your body feel like it doesn't want to do anything? Do you find everyday life mundane outside of the video games? When you are sitting in class and listening to a lecture, do you wish you were playing the game? And I think that if the right balance is achieved between these different facets of life, we can use video games to our advantage and grow with them.
1: I think well implied there the wisdom that games, like many other things, are a form of tool, and it's how we use a tool that ultimately matters. And of course, with many tools, like a double edged sword, there are benefits, there are also negative consequences, and it falls to users to be mindful and cautious. And having already posed some questions you'd like peers to consider, are there other thoughts you'd like listeners, perhaps non gamers in particular, to be thinking about after listening to this conversation.
0: I believe that humans are on this earth to live up to their potential. To me, this potential means being as productive as I can be. I recognize that for some people, this might not be true. Some people just want to be happy in this life, and happiness can be defined in many different ways. I understand that for some people, being productive might not necessarily mean being happy, or their definition of productivity might be different. So I guess my advice to all gamers and non-gamers would be to think of a future them. If you have a vision of yourself that you want to be in the future, does what you're doing every day provide you with the possibility of becoming that person? I'm a strong believer of you are the average of what you do every day. And so if you are going to regret 20 years later having played Halo for 300 hours, then you should think about that.
1: And on this point of productivity and happiness, which for some people takes the form of gaming, and for others, other activities, I'd be very interested to hear listeners' thoughts there. Are there things you do that others find productive that also make you happy? And conversely, are there things in your life that are productive to some, but make you miserable? How do you balance that tension? And for you, what did this topic illuminate, if anything at all? And of course, you more for coming on and speaking to a subject that means a great deal to me. You have my thanks.
0: And thank you, Kip, for allowing me the opportunity.
1: Well, it was my pleasure, of course. But as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. By definition, gamers and non-gamers equate to 100% of the population, so we'd really love to hear from any of you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook, You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com, and if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon, where in exchange for your support, you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes. And as always, we thank you very much for listening, and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark, signing off.